3: It is now 809 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. In this half hour, I'm really excited to introduce to you Trish. I want to make sure I get her name correctly because I always want to call her Trisha. Don't ask me why, it's my problem. Um, But I do want to say, Trisha Cummins Kaufman uh, is joining us tonight. She is the executive director of an organization I have fallen in love with called Solid Ground. It is a remarkable place to be. Um, What they do is incredible. It's an award winning nonprofit organization whose proven holistic approach helps families build the strong foundations they need to emerge from home. Homelessness into a brighter future. Now that may sound, you know, some people may hear that and go, "Oh yeah, sure." You no, know, for real, they really do the, do that. And I want to introduce to you the executive director of Solid Ground. How are you, Trisha?
4: I'm good, Geraldine. How are you?
3: I'm fine. I'm so glad you joined us. I'm so used to calling you Trish. I don't know if you've noticed that in some of my emails, I leave off the A. Hey, I don't know what my problem is, but <laughs> I'm so glad that it you does are joining not us. Well, I, oh, so I tell crazy. you, glad, glad to have you here. Under Solid Ground, it says helping families build strong foundation. Tell us how you do that.
4: Sure. Well, we provide supportive housing for families experiencing homelessness or who are at risk of imminent homelessness. And the housing is really the beginning of what we do. It's really our supportive services that help families achieve stability. So, you know, um, case management, employment services, parenting supports, uh, access to health services, things like that are really what help move families forward.
3: I know that it can be difficult for families to come forward and, and admit, hey, I need help. Um, and I, I just wonder, whenever you have a new family coming in, what is the first thing that you do to welcome them?
4: Well, one of the best things I think we do is we offer them a welcome basket. So it might be filled with um, different things to set up their household, you know, household cleaners, bedding, uh, personal care items, things like that. Things that say, welcome home. You know, we want you to be comfortable. We want you to, you know, enjoy your new space and um, set up your kids' rooms. We help with furniture and a lot of other things that help families feel at home.
3: It's incredible that you do all of that. And of course you have a lot of programs for these families. Tell us about some of those. I know there's Home Again and Home Safe and Home Front. Let's just talk about those three to start.
4: Sure, so Home Again and Home Safe are scattered site housing programs. That means that we're working with with the landlords out in the community to provide rental units to families. And then we provide part of the uh, rent to help make that home affordable to the family. And we bring our services to them in the home. And then with Homefront, that is a program that opened about five years ago. It's located in Maplewood. And uh, we have 10 units of housing for military veterans who've experienced homelessness. And we help, you know, place them in those uh, rental units, and then bring services to them to help them achieve stability.
3: And that's a permanent supportive housing setting, correct? The one in Maplewood?
4: It is. It is. So our scattered site housing programs are, are time limited, but our home front program And we have another program in White Bear Lake called East Metro Place 2. Those are permanent supportive housing units. So that means families can stay there as long as they need or want to. How long has Homefront
3: been uh, a part of Solid Ground?
4: We opened Homefront uh, five years ago in August. So, um, in fact, we have a couple of veterans living in those units who've been with us since the very beginning.
3: It's remarkable because I had not heard of Homefront before, mm-hmm. and I wonder, that's why I wanted to have you on tonight, uh, to make sure that people know that there's a safe place to go. There are so many families that are veterans with their children, and you've opened up some of those units, and I know you're looking for more of those units as well. When you hear about it, or you go out and, and um ask for more. You you approach um, certain uh, buildings and uh, other nonprofits, whatever you do to reach out to try to help these veterans. Do you have a whole list of people that are in need? Has it been difficult to find the veterans and their children that need a space?
4: Well, we are fortunate to partner with others who serve veterans. So the VA, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minnesota Council of Veteran. uh I'm sorry, Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans. Those are all great referral sources for solid ground. And so when we do have a unit available, we will reach out to those folks and ask them to refer people who are in need of housing. So solid ground was started when? We were started in 1987. So we've been around for more than 30 years now.
3: That's amazing. That's amazing. What have you learned in those thirty years that may have surprised you?
4: Oh my gosh, I've learned so many. I mean, you've only
3: been there how many years I
4: should ask? A long time. A long time. For twenty four years. Wow. I love it. It's it's a great mission, great people. Um, you know, I look forward to going to work every day or most days at least. And, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's a wonderful place to work. And I'm not always, oh, go ahead. Say, oh, sorry. Uh, I would say that, you know, some of the things I've learned the most in my time there is that, you know, again, housing is the beginning. It's, it's the foundation for all other things. Um, but it's, the families that we serve really do need more than just a safe, affordable place to live. You know, some families that that's really all they need. It's more of a math issue, right? They they don't earn enough to to afford an apartment, um, so they can get, you know, placed um in more affordable housing or maybe with a uh, some kind of rent subsidy, and they're going to be fine. But the families that we serve are struggling with you know mental health issues, chemical dependency, they might have um, physical disabilities. Certainly the veterans that we're working with, you know they're they're very proud people, mm-hmm. and so it's hard for them to ask for help. and uh, but many of them are on you know full or partial disability. And they need uh, access to health services and other kinds of help to maintain independent housing. And we're just really proud to be here to help them with that.
3: And I really hope that um, it will get bigger and bigger. You'll be able to even open more opportunities to the veterans with children to make sure that they have housing and a safe space. Um, at the same time, we know that this pandemic has made it very obvious how bad the situation is in the state of Minnesota when it comes to um, the poor, the working poor, who may have a car, an automobile to get to work, but they can't afford the automobile payment as well as an apartment payment. And so they're living out of their car. Cars. And so it frustrates me sometimes. I'm not quite sure if most Minnesotans understand what it takes to, to what, or what type of um, uh, what type of amount of money will do you need a living wage in order to have an apartment and a, a car and so much more. Do you, did you have to address those issues when you were thinking about Homefront?
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the t- a truly living wage in Minnesota is over $20 an hour um there's a lot of conversation about $15 an hour but that is not enough it's not enough two bedroom unit in the twin cities area um we really need about $21 an hour um and so that can be there can be a really big gap between certainly between minimum wage but even between you know the the average uh service worker Um, between what they're earning and what they really need to afford rent. Tell
3: me a little bit about holistic support. What does that mean? I know what I think it means, but what does it mean for you?
4: Yeah, we really try to provide person-centered services. So it's not about people fitting into our program. It's about us, providing the types of services in the amount that they need at that time so um, it you know we really try to wrap our services around someone so again we're providing not just the housing but uh, guidance and support um, employment services parenting support access to mental and chemical health services And so forth. So really, you know, housing is a great opportunity to um, provide that that type of holistic support for someone that goes beyond just, you know, it's not just education or just employment or just housing. You know, we really have an opportunity to touch pretty much any aspect of their lives that they might need help with.
3: Let's talk a little bit about Homework Starts with Home. Um, I know that it is a collaboration with several partners who work with school districts. And, of course, you're trying to make sure that that these families are placed within or at least close to the the, um, school district communities. Has that been a big challenge for you?
4: It has been. So Homework Starts with Home works in suburban Ramsey school districts. Um, and there isn't a whole lot of affordable housing in many of the communities that we're serving. And so trying to help someone either stay in their home or find new housing uh, within that same school district uh, can be a real challenge. But it's one that we're up for because it's so important that kids have that kind of school stability to be able to you know to achieve their full potential i was fortunate enough to grow up in a family where you know i lived in the same house from the age of two until i graduated from high school and that stability was you know really everything you know at the time i didn't realize it but looking back on it i realized just how much opportunity that gave me. And we've worked with kids who have, you know, they've been in like six different school districts in one year. Um, and you can imagine how challenging it is. Oh, absolutely. I have to
3: um, uh, end this whole um interview by talking about your gala. There have been so many virtual galas, and I was, um, again, invited to come back and, and sing for the event. And I have to tell you, Bring It Home Virtual Fundraiser was really special, and you get to really hear from one of the veterans um, when it comes to what they are dealing with, when they're trying to stay in a place, and now that they have a place where they can stay, they don't have to worry about it. I can under- I can just imagine the fears that they may also have with the people who live around them that they don't know, introducing their children to other children, and so much more. Tell us a little bit about the fundraiser.
4: Sure. Well, we are so excited to have you be a part of this event again. It's just been a joy to work with you. But we are, you know, I'll be honest, we were disappointed. We couldn't be in person again this year, but we want to be safe. And um, we know that going virtual was the right choice for us. But we on Friday, October fifteenth, at six fifteen, we have a pre-program, um, and then at seven, we have our the start of our program. But it will be a combination of um, auction items and hearing, of course, your wonderful performance, but also hearing from John, one of our veterans in the Homefront program. Talk about his experiences and how important Homefront has been to himself, his wife, and their four kids.
3: Well, it's called Bring It Home and uh, the virtual fundraisers to benefit formerly homeless veterans. I thank you for your work, Tricia, and all, everyone who works with you there at, at um Solid Ground. It's it's um, moving. It's hard for me to even talk about it because what I've learned so far, I had no idea. I had no idea what you what you are really doing over there at Solid Ground. So if people want to give or donate in some way, where do they go?
4: They can come right to our website at solidgroundmn.org, and you can learn about our mission and our programs. You can get a link to the Bring It Home fundraiser. And we just hope that you'll join us on October 15th.
3: I'll sure be watching, that's for sure. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and letting people know who Solid Ground is, what you do, and boy, do you do a lot. Uh, Let me tell you, I'll be uh, praying for you more than you know. Um, So thank you so much for joining us tonight, Tricia.
4: Thank you, Gerilyn. My pleasure.
3: That is the executive director of Solid Ground. Her name is Trisha Cummings-Kaufman. And if you don't know about them, please learn more. And if you want to donate, you know where to go, solidgroundmn.org. We'll be back in a moment.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store
4: today.
1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through... deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste or if you overcame
1: tour is, tour.
2: you deserve this ice cold reward modello the mark fighter drink responsibly beer imported by crowning port chicago illinois all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time
3: I don't know what it is about that, the beginning of that song, but I just love it. My goodness, as you heard about Solid Ground, there are other, um, nonprofits that are working really hard to help those that are homeless. Um, but when I found out about Solid Ground and all that they do, um, I wasn't privy to all that they do. I tell you, it just, it touched my heart. So I wanted you to know, um, that veterans are included in this you know for for this company and they have so many families out that are getting help um, mental health and so much more they have um, the the ones for the veterans they don't have enough units yet but they are working on it so don't give up on it you know if you want to give to them if you want to call and see if you can volunteer um, and be um, be a light for them and support them, that would be really great, because I just didn't know about the veterans, and I was really just very moved by it all. Well, coming up, of course, we're going to do some weather, Um, and I know Jonathan Lowe wanted to mention the Lynx, and I think this is a good time to do it. I changed my mind, Jonathan. Go for it. (laughs) Thank you. Uh,
1: (laughs) I I did mention earlier that the Lynx were playing the Washington Mystics today. This was the final day of the regular season, so Everyone's getting the playoff picture settled. Um, the Lynx did win today uh, over Washington, which means they clinched the third seed in the playoffs. So what that means is there are eight teams that make the playoffs. The bottom four of those, the five, six, seven, and 8 seeds, will play a one-game single elimination on Thursday. Thursday night it will be uh, Dallas at Chicago and New York at Phoenix, one game single elimination. The winners of those games will play either Seattle or Minnesota in a single elimination. I said that wrong earlier. They are in a single elimination game setup. So Sunday, this coming Sunday, we will have that game. We don't know the time yet because we don't know which teams are playing. Uh, we'll be playing the Lynx yet, uh, but we will. We do know that it is Sunday that they will play. We'll let you know about that throughout the week as we get the times and everything settled. And then the winners of that, if the Lynx win that single elimination game, they would go on to face uh, the Las Vegas Aces in the semifinals, and that's a best-of-five series. So the Lynx are in. They will be playing next Sunday, time to be determined. Our winning team, how about
3: that? Also, Jonathan, let's let people know um, what games are live here on WCCO. I just had that question asked of me about two days ago.
1: Um, okay. Um, this is twins. So we have the twins, the twins. and we have the, the gophers. Oh, we don't have the gophers. No, we have we oh. have, we haven't had the gophers in a decade.
3: No kidding. <laughs> oh man, no kidding. Well, I got the two right. So
1: <laughs> yes, we we uh, unfortunately we we've lost our connection with them, in 2011, 2012, and so mm-hmm. they are on another station, as we like to say. Okay. Well, here's the
3: thing. I'm really excited that the links are on, and I'm really excited that the Twins are on. And I always think about the Vikings. I hope, I hope, I hope. All right. We're going to have to take a break and do some weather coming up next. What? What? So what do you do? This is the time of night on Sunday nights. We try to make sure that we find a, um, a company or a logo that we see that makes us ask the question, what do you do or what do they do? Well, tonight... It's all about how to launch a business and network. Renita Fay knows a thing or two about that. She joins us to talk about an exciting launch later this week. Renita Fay, welcome. Am I, am I pronouncing your name correctly?
5: You are. Thank you. Yes.
3: Oh, excellent. Tell us all about the launch that is happening.
5: Yeah. So we've kind of launched our business on social this week. I, you know, everything is kind of crazy with the pandemic. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, very. But. <laughs> So we are doing a, a launch party actually later this week um, to announce um, the coming together of a company we're calling Add Women, um, spelled W or W A D D W O M X N.
3: Yeah, I was trying to figure that out when I saw it. <laughs> I can't. I can't wait for you to tell us what this is. A
5: D D W O M X N. Tell us more. Yes. So women, um, just pronounce women with an X in there, it's uh, meant to be more inclusive of obviously our, um, you know, gender and uh, trans community, but um, more inclusive of um, um, diversity in all aspects. So um, kind of what we say is we're advancing creativity and diversity. So we um, I, I, just a little background. I am a, a designer by trade. I've had at my own design firm for 18 years, and wow. um, this, yeah, <laughs> and decided after last um, summer with George Floyd and everything that, that you know something needed to be done. Um, my business has always focused on kind of gender equity in the marketing and advertising space. And something obviously was not right after last summer. And I'm, you know, thinking, you know, what what can be done? And what what I was actually thinking about mostly was I realized at, right after I graduated from college in 1995, I actually was hired by a black owned design firm. And I happen to be a white cisgender woman. So right. um you know, and so I'm thinking like, okay, back to 1995, I kind of thought, (laughs) I was like, this is awesome. I've, I've, I've been there, done that. Like I'm the minority and I, you know, this is normal. And, but I realized last summer, it's been two and a half decades since I've worked with a black designer. Oh my goodness. And my network is A lot of lovely women, a lot of people, but mostly white. And I, you know, being in Minneapolis, I mean, I I think we've all, we all say things like, oh, that's just a, you know, that's, that's of course it's white man. No, it's just an excuse. That's, that's not okay. And, um, I've just, I've done a a lot of work and really figured out like, what can we do? And can I even do this as a white (laughs) cisgender woman? Um, and I reached out to a lot of black friends. Um, I actually reached out to the black designer that I worked with when we were right, both of us, right out of school at that black design firm. And he, um, the great Aaron King, he um, is a designer in San Francisco. He agreed to be on my advisory board. So um I worked with a couple other lovely women um and Aaron and have uh, with that advisory board had to put together this company called AdWomen. And it's it's a little it's a it's a new um new kind of thing where we're we're basically empowering women creative entrepreneurs um really looking at BIPOC women as well and um, coming together as creative entrepreneurs and letting us all have our entrepreneurial spirit. So I have my own firm, Athena, and my colleagues on my board have their own firms, Fly Girl Creative, Spark Truck Consulting. But what we want to do is create this umbrella brand, AdWomen, and come together as, as a kind of an agency Um, basically featuring these best-in-class women creative entrepreneurs offering branding and marketing services. And um, for lack of a better term, we kind of say we're actually kind of competing against the mad men agencies of the world um, Mm. because there's a lot of history in men and especially white men dominating um, the advertising marketing space. And has it felt um, like and, that
3: for you all these years, the years that you spent uh, in advertising and here you are today, it's a whole new world with this COVID thing. Are you seeing a change?
5: Um, a change a little bit. There was a um, a movement called the 3% movement um, about 15 years ago, started from a woman in California, and the three percent uh, represented that only three percent of creative directors were f- are female, and I was shocked at that because I, that really didn't seem like the case in Minneapolis. Um, um, we're we're a pretty vibrant marketing and advertising town, um, and I think that that was a pre- pretty uh, crazy percentage, but even 15 years later, the percentage now is that only 29% of creative directors are female. And there's a lot of what I have seen in my career is there are a lot of women creative, but as soon as they start having families, um, you know, or or what have you, they, they tend to take, not take leadership positions. And, um, I always did, and at doing that, there were a lot of times where I, I was pretty shocked at what was going on. I had a boss tell me once, um, I was a creative director of a large um, company in town, and I said I would like to look at the budget and figure out what you know we're spending things on. And he said, oh, you don't need to worry about that. Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) um and I was in charge of the whole team and hiring all these agencies to work with us as well and you know so it it happens and probably more frequently than we want to admit and so I I'm like I can't I can't turn my back on this and especially I, I just felt like what would have been really easy for me to do is say, okay, let's just form, um, let's just form something that's all women. And in the past year, um, I've thought about that quite a few times and realized that, no, I cannot. I, the, I, we, it is time for white women to start standing up for our BIPOC women who have done so much, um, and so it's it's something that is very uncomfortable at times, talking about race and talking about diversity and what we as white people have done to not include. Um, but at this point, I feel like we can't turn our back.
3: You know it sounds as though you are looking forward as you are moving with this ad women launch. you are moving forward, looking forward, but you turn around and look back is it to remind you where you've come from, what it was like for you when you didn't have those women to support um, and, and and teach that sort of thing are you are you looking forward most of the time but still careful about what you've been through in the past?
5: Yeah, I think that's what informs a lot of, you know, kind of new ideas and, and moving forward. But, yeah, we can't, I, I can't not, I, there were so many things that ha- have, ha- have happened over my career um, just in terms of gender. And I don't want to, you know, play the pity card, but th- those things inform and help you when you get to have the privilege of helping others. You know, and so I love mentoring, and I love you know bringing um, people into the creative field. Um, I I just I want I don't want it to be so white, and I okay. think that it's, so
3: is it a problem yeah. that you don't you don't have enough because you haven't found enough? Like right now at Afina, how many mm-hmm. women, BIPOC women, are a part of Afina?
5: Well. <laughs> I have had the, a roller coaster of a time in the last 18 years, and right now, Athena is actually just me. So um, I don't have it, currently have any employees, and okay. um, so I I do work with only contractors. Um, and um, and and especially in the last year, I'm really focusing on moving forward and figuring out how to include um, uh, BIPOC women who are women creative entrepreneurs. The challenge that I have seen right now is that there are, if okay, so if you think about, you know, you're starting a new business and you go to your own contacts, where, where are your own contacts? <laughs> they're, they're what you, they've been, right? And mm-hmm. so um, I am looking for lots of women, not just in the Twin Cities, but all over the United States. Um, I'm looking for super high talent photographers, illustrators, designers, that type of thing. What I am realizing is there, it, there is a lack of, um, uh, creative talent in it just, I think there's, I have a statistic. Only 3% of, um, designers are, identify as black. OK, so there there is some lack of <laughs> just accessibility to anybody said so that there's there's you know, what I think of is I think of when I was in high school and, you know, I was good at art and I loved my art classes. And so my mom was able to say, OK, you need to go to this school because they have design there. And I'm like, what is design? Right. So I knew I had the fortunate, you know, help of people around me getting me into interested in something that I love. And I don't think that that's necessarily the case for a lot of people. Um, So I, I know I had that privilege and what I want to see is I kind of have part one and part two of this idea in my head for ad women. Part one is getting us up and running and really Making sure that we are representative of, (laughs) frankly, when we're we're representative of the people that are out there. So when we're creating marketing and advertising campaigns, we're creating it for the people, if that makes sense, (laughs) not just for white people. Right. Mm -hmm. So So, that. So go ahead.
3: Well, I, I guess what I'm, I'm wondering is about how this launch is going to go. So we're going to take a break and then come back and just tell us what the launch will look like. What, what should we expect if people are interested in attending? We'll be right back. It is now 852 here at WCCO. Welcome back. We are speaking with Renita Fay. Who is Renita Fay? She is a designer and she's loving all of it. She knows how to launch a business and a network and she's trying to help other women do this as well. Now, the big launch is called Ad Women and that's going to happen very soon. Welcome back, Renita Fay. How, how is it going as far as putting this whole launch together? What does it take?
5: Um, thank you. It's, um, It's been a process. It's taken about a year um, to kind of really figure out what exactly we're doing. Um, But it's been fun. And this week we are having a private um, event where we're launching with our kind of really great um, friends and family and people who have really been our allies in this. Mm-hmm. Um, we're it's COVID again, right? So we're being re- we're trying to be really careful. At first, I wanted to have this event with you know hundreds of people, and and now it's it looks like it'll be about uh, forty people. But what we are doing in the next couple months is we are looking for we're going to be doing some team member interest events. So people who are interested, who are solopreneurs or entrepreneurs, women, BIPOC women especially, who are, like I said, designers, photographers, illustrators, uh, producers, any any part of the marketing and advertising agency. We are members of Modern Well, which is a co-working space, and The Coven, and we will be um, having events. There, kind of like all day open houses where you can kind of meet and greet the team um, that put that is put together for ad right now, um, and the founding members, and then um, also you know so we can just kind of vet people, see you know what what where they're at and if they're interested. Um, so that's how we're kind of doing it in this weird COVID world. Um, yeah.
3: Yeah, it is a weird COVID world, yet you are out there still doing what you love to do and trying to get more women involved. What are you hearing from women that you thought, you know, for sure, these this group right here is going to come on board? Were you disappointed? What did you hear from people that thought, yes, I can do this, and then at the end said, you know what, I'm not sure if I can do that?
5: Um, you know, I think it comes down to trust and um, really understanding who we are as a community. And so it's kind of a long dance. Like it's not something we're gonna, you know, get people signed up on right, right away. Some of some of people who've known me forever, absolutely. But I think part of it is just really showing um, showing up and being authentic and showing everybody who we are and what we really believe in. Um, We try to, you know, show our values through everything. And and we're just starting. Um, The great thing is, is that we've actually been in front of a few corporations um, already. And the feedback is very positive. They are really excited to see this. I mean, we're, we ask all our members to be WBENC certified, which is kind of a women-owned business certification um, and anything else that can kind of show that we are we are who we say we are. Um, and it's, it's just it's really exciting. I, I've had really great interest from members, potential team members, and then also potential clients. So we're working hard to get our, our, our um, word out there. And I really appreciate you helping us with that.
3: Oh, I'm glad to. And I have a final question for you. A lot of times here in Minnesota, we, we know that there are women who are the front face of a business, but it really is a husband and wife team. Um, how mm-hmm. do you know when you are reaching out to these women that may be very interested that maybe they're just a face instead of the actual owner?
5: Um, that's super interesting. That's exactly why we ask people to be and certified because that is exactly what they're looking for when they, they do the certification is really to prove that we are. Most of the time, though, in the creative world, we know who everybody is. Everybody kind of knows somebody else. And I'm really impressed. And I, I think this is also uh, the times we're in. A lot of people have left corporate and have decided to go on their own. A lot of moms. And a lot of us are solopreneuring and doing very small business entrepreneuring and really trying to figure out how to make it on our own without the agencies and without the corporations. And we seek to really empower and lift up these entrepreneurs and and come together as a bigger community.
3: Mm. Uh, If there are women that are listening tonight and they say, hey, I'm one of those designers. I'd love to come to this event that's coming up. Is it too
5: late no, it's not too late. Um, can I give my email address? Is that okay? Absolutely, please. Okay, it's Renita R E N I T A at women dot co as in collaborative not com. So A D D W O M X N dot co.
3: All right, that's A D D W O M X N dot uh, co. Thank you so much, Renita. Sure appreciate you joining
5: us tonight. Thank you for
3: having me on. You are welcome. And if people want to know more about her business called Afina, just go to Afinadesign.com. Again, it's Afinadesign.com and learn more about who she is. And that, of course, she is also inviting the trans community as well. So well done. Well done, Renita. All right. We'll come back with Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment.